good to be with you this morning. Um, uh, it's always a joy to be with the body of Christ. And um, one of the things that strikes me most, and I often comment it because it is, uh, it's something you can't help but notice when, you, when we, I'm first uh, speaking at a particular congregation. And at the Bridgeport Rescue Mission, uh, you know, we're a parachurch ministry and is uh, supported by the body of Christ throughout Fairfield County and, and uh, Southern Connecticut. Um, and so we get to fellowship with a number of different congregations. Uh, uh, last week I was at Black Rock, just a few miles down the Merritt Parkway. And, um, you know, we're often at different congregations. But one of the, to me, the first thing I recognize when I'm uh, at a particular congregation is <clears throat> it's the same spirit that uh, uh, even though the worship might be different, uh, the ministry of the word might be a little different, but it's the same spirit if, that, you know, that loves the Lord if we're the body of Christ. And uh, every time I get to do it, I'm always mindful of that day when we're on the other side, when all, we're all around the throne of heaven, worshiping the Lord. And uh, we need to recognize and appreciate that. And I know every time I'm at a congregation, I realize how vast the body of Christ is. And I realize that one day we'll all be celebrating uh, around the throne of God. And so uh, I can't help but thank God for that. Now, I have been here before, not to speak, but I've been here at several uh, functions. At the Bridgeport Rescue Mission, we, about three times a year, we have a graduation for our, uh, our men's and women's new life programs. And uh, several times we've had the graduation here at, at uh, Calvary. And uh, so uh, I have been in the facility before, but, but never speaking. And so, um, it's good to be with you. Uh, like I said, I bring you greetings from the Bridgeport Rescue Mission. Uh, many of you are supporters of the Bridgeport Rescue Mission, and we certainly thank you for that. Um, in fact, uh, one story that uh, Pastor Terry Wilcox, who was the executive director for over 15 years, uh, he told me this story, and he said, uh, the Bridgeport Rescue Mission was founded in the early 90s. And we're part, we're a member of an organization that at that time was called the AGRM, which was the Association of Gospel Rescue Missions. Today they changed the name to CityGate. But um, there's a, a region, the New England region, there's a district that, where they have meetings about twice a year. And they had an expansion committee. And at this time, Bridgeport was in the news. You know, they, they were doing uh, national uh, news programs about the mayor declaring bankruptcy and this kind of thing. And so um, that committee got together, as they, they do annually, and as they were you know, seeking God about where they should expand, uh, the Lord brought the city of Bridgeport to their mind. And so um, the committee, expansion com committee, got together, and they went to local pastors in the Bridgeport area to see if they could get some support to start a mission, a, a gospel rescue mission in the city of Bridgeport. And uh, I know to hear one of the gentlemen, I heard him tell the story as well, that they went to lots of different congregations 
but there were two initial congregations that really uh, uh, stepped up when they uh, uh, asked for some help to get it started. And Calvary was one of those congregations. Uh, there, were, there were two that wrote sizable checks, and because of uh, their support, your support, uh, the rescue mission was started, and now this is over 25 years later. At that time, they probably just had a uh, you know, several thousand dollar annual budget. Now it's over $5 million, and there's a lot of people that are being helped now, plus there's I don't know how many that have been helped over the years. So give yourselves a hand clap for that. So we certainly don't take it for granted. And uh, the rescue mission is supported. Most of our, our funds are, are, are private. We really don't get much in the way of gov government funding. And so uh, we just ask you to, to remember that, to remember the mission uh, in your giving. We certainly appreciate your, your support, and we depend on it. And so uh, just to give you some updates about the rescue mission, uh, as, as you, I'm sure you realize, we've gone through a very unusual year with the COVID situation. Um, uh, the the, the uh, pandemic really, really broke out in like March of, of 2020. And we changed the way we, we uh, did some things in order to not uh, comply with the government requests and to make sure we're not a part of spreading the, uh, the, uh, the virus any more than necessary. And so um, uh, we uh, changed the way we do some things. There's three parts of, three components to the rescue mission, rescue missions ministry. There's the feeding program, which is a large feeding program. It's, it's probably the largest in Connecticut. And um, uh, we normally provide three meals a day at, at our main facility. We have mobile kitchens that go out to different, uh, different of the needy areas and provide meals that way. And then we have a, a large pantry program as well. And so uh, when the pandemic broke out, we had to change how we, how we did things. Uh, we had to limit how, many, how much back and forth of the general public were going in and out of our facility. And so um, we curtailed most of the feeding that was done inside. The people would come and get meals to go. Uh, we did quite a bit of that. Um, we increased our pantry program because there was such a need. Our pantry program grew dramatically over the pandemic. And so we've uh, provided many, many times more meals than we did even before the pan pandemic. And so uh, God has been faithful and he's been able to bless our programs. Um, for those of you that don't know, we're, uh, we're in the process of fully moving into a new facility. We were at 1088 Fairfield Avenue and we still maintain that facility, but we're in the process of occupying a new facility at 725 Park Avenue it's a former nursing home that's a, a, a five-story building. It's over 60,000 square feet. And so we really uh, expect to reach many, many more people with this new facility. And so, the, like I said, the feeding program has grown over the pandemic, uh, thankfully to the uh, expansion of the pantry program where we did mobile pantry as well as uh, pantry at our facility. And uh, so we've been able to to feed many, many more people. 
In addition to that, we have a shelter program, which uh, we've, we've changed the name of that. Now we're calling it our Abundant Life Program. And uh, that reaches out to the homeless in the area. And uh, we're calling it Abundant of Life because we're in, incorporating some additional, uh, uh, some additional characteristics to it to make it uh, partially like a program. But it's geared towards that same population, those that are, that are homeless or in need of housing. And so we will be housing those at the 725 Park Avenue facility. And so we thank God for that. And then the third component of our program is what we call our New Life Program. And we, we often refer to that as the jewel of our programs at the Bridgeport Rescue Mission because it's the program that really is based on bringing life change to those that are in need. Most of them have, some, uh, have had some history of substance abuse. And uh, we really try to bring them in and spend lots of time with them, uh, working with them to over a period of nine months to a year, enabling them to, 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 to change their life, to be able to get themselves on uh, solid ground, to be able to uh, 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 re-enter society, so to speak, with uh, you know, solid foundation. Uh, I like to say most of the uh, half of the day for the new life programs, both program is both the men and the women, they spend about half a day in classes. And most of the classes are, are essentially Bible study classes. Some fo focus on coping skills and some other things, but they do quite a bit of Bible study. And we do that because we recognize that a solid relationship with the Lord, a solid relationship with God is one of the critical characteristics that's going to enable them to stand after they graduate from the Bridgeport Rescue Mission. And so um, I just wanted to give you a few of those updates, let you know what's going on there. Um, uh, we're just really uh, you know, branching out a number, number of ways. And like I said, right now we have occupied, it's a five-story building at 725 Park Avenue. We've occupied the first floor, uh, which is where uh, most of our public facilities will be. And uh, we have offices on the second floor as well as a portion of the second floor is for our women and children program. And then the, the third and fourth floors are for the men's and women's new life program. And so we certainly uh, uh, we covered your prayers. We thank God that he's enabled, enabled us to come this far and we're looking just to, to really uh, allow the Lord to use this facility and the Bridgeport Rescue Mission to really do a work for the kingdom of God. I, I, I often uh, tell the story of how I came to the rescue mission. And uh, uh, I'll just share it briefly. I was, um, you know, this is about 20 years ago. I was a pharmaceutical rep. And I would go from, uh, you know, doctor's office to doctor's office, speaking to the doctors or the nurse practitioners, the prescribers. And um, you know, you know, educate them about our products and encourage them to prescribe our products. And I remember I was in the parking lot one day of one of the medical buildings. And uh, in between calls, we would always we always had a laptop, so we'd open the laptop and see what uh, the last call that was done on that particular doctor or physician, and see what they talked about. And I remember as I was doing this. 
I was in the parking lot and I just, just, just cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, there's got to be something that I can do that's going to affect the kingdom of God. This is fine, but this is not making a permanent dif difference for anybody. It's good. You know, if they write, prescribe my product, that's great. But if they prescribe the competitor's product, both of, both of them are probably going to work. And I remember I just cried out to him. I said, Lord, I want to do something that's making a difference for the kingdom of God. And uh, I remember that as I, I just took that moment and, and made that request before him, uh, you know, God hears when we bring, bring our heart before him, when we say something. And really, I didn't realize it would happen so quickly, but it was probably less than a month from then that uh, I was talking to Pastor Terry and, and interviewing for a position at the rescue mission, being brought on board. And uh, I remember my first week, I started in July of 2004 at the Bridgeport Rescue Mission. And uh, it was a blessing then. I, felt, I remember thinking, oh, God, thank you. You heard my cry. You answered my prayer. And, uh, you know, I won't take the time to go through all of the steps that happened, but God worked supernaturally to bring it about. And I'm grateful to be there now. I've been there over 17 years now, and I count myself blessed to be working for the kingdom of God. Praise God. So now, uh, as... Uh, the worship leader spoke. You guys are doing a series talking about loving your neighbor. And so we're looking at the, the, the passage of scripture that is often known as the parable of the Good Samaritan. So I'd like to read that before I get into the message. Praise God. Luke, the 10th chapter, the 25th through the 37th verse. And the word of God says this. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And so he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. 
So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Praise the Lord. So we thank God for his word. And so we're talking a little bit now about this parable of the Good Samaritan. There's a couple of things I would like to point out. The first thing is that this lawyer, who was an expert uh, in the law, and remember now at that time in, in uh, Israel, a lawyer was a little different than a lawyer is in like the U.S. today. A lawyer right now in the U.S. is somebody that focuses on purely uh, civil matters and uh, really has no expertise at all as far as spiritual things. But in Israel at that time, the law of Moses was the governing law of, of uh, uh, the state as well, the civil, civil laws. And so this lawyer was an expert in the law of Moses. And uh, he says, the Bible says, he stood up and tested Jesus. Now, the, the thing I always like to, to say with this, when we're reading the Gospels, you got to recognize that there's many truths that you and I take for granted today that these people, these people had no idea of. The first thing, he certainly didn't know who Jesus was. As far as he knew, he was just a good teacher. Okay, He had no idea that he was really the son of God. And then most of them didn't know he was the Messiah either. And so there's many things that, that many truths that we know today that uh, the people in the Gospels had no idea of. And that's why he's testing Jesus. If you read through the Gospels, over and over again, these people would stand up and, I mean, they would, they would challenge him. They would test him with different things, not realizing this is the Son of God. There's no way you're going you're to stump him. And so uh, this, this, this lawyer tests him with this question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? <laughs> And so Jesus kind of asks him a question, puts it back on him. You're an expert in the law. How do you interpret it? How do you read it? And the lawyer says that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus says, okay, you've answered rightly. Go and do this, and you'll live. And then the Bible says that this lawyer, wanting to justify himself, uh, one, one translation says, wanting to acquit himself of uh, what he should do, he asked this other question, and who is my neighbor? And so uh, I like to just, just dwell on the fact that all of the truths that we learn today, that important truths of the Bible, those that Jesus came to reveal to us and those that we learn even through the New Testament, they're revealed to us by the Spirit of God. We're dependent upon the Spirit of God to open, open the eyes of our heart and cause us to see the truths of the Bible. And except the Spirit of God reveal it to us, we'll be blind to it. And so we've got to recognize that we're dependent on him. Um, you know, in the, uh, just before Jesus was going to go to the cross, he asked his disciples, uh, who do men say that I am? And some of them told him, look, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're a great prophet. You're a great teacher. 
And then he said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven, has revealed this to you. And so we need to recognize that these truths we come to know only as the spirit of God opens our eyes and unveils them to us. And so our prayer when we come to church, when we're reading the Bible, when we're going to the Lord in prayer, our prayer is to, to ask the spirit of God to take the things of God and open the eyes of our heart, cause us to see. In fact, if you read through the New Testament, Paul, Paul's letters in particular, this is the most common thing in his prayers. Over and over again, he's asking them to pray and praying for the congregations that he uh, helped establish. He prays that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened, that the eyes of their heart would be opened and they would see the truths of what Christ has done for us by going to the cross. And so all of these things are spiritually revealed. And I say that because as you read through the Gospels, you see over and over again, they come to Jesus and say things, and you can tell they're spiritually blind. You know, in John, the sixth chapter, and uh, it's somewhat comical, some of it, but Jesus, Jesus is talking to them, and he begins to tell them, and he kind of, kind of, uh, uh, I was going to say sneaks up on him. He doesn't really sneak up, but he gradually gets into it. And he's basically telling them, he ends up telling them, look, you are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. And so uh, there's a lot of truths that are only revealed by the Spirit of God. And so as I read this, I couldn't help but but recognize that's the first point because you have this man that's a lawyer that's greatly educated, but many times they're blind to the most simple spiritual truths, okay? Another example is in John, the third chapter, when Nicodemus, who's right, he's a, he's a, a Pharisee or he's a, a, an elder at the temple, he comes to Jesus by night and says, Jesus, we know that God is with you because nobody could do all these miracles that you do, except God is with him. And then Jesus talk, begins to be talking to him about spiritual things, and he says, you must be born again. And Nicodemus has no idea what he's talking about. He says, how can a man enter back into his mother's womb and be born again? And then Jesus begins to tell him, look, that which is of the flesh is flesh, and that which is of the spirit is spirit. And so, so often, as these uh, the people that were there when Jesus would walk the earth, they have no idea what he's talking about because so many of these truths, they're spiritually revealed. And unless the spirit of God opens the eyes of their heart and reveals it to them, they don't have a clue what he's talking about. And the same thing is true for us today, that we are dependent upon the spirit of God to open the eyes of our heart to the truths of what Christ has done for us and to the truths of what uh, we have in Christ. And so that's very important, and I couldn't help but comment on that because this lawyer is coming to Jesus, testing him with this question. Now, uh, uh, Jesus tells him after he answers, look, you've answered rightly. Go and do this, and you will live. And then the lawyer says, uh, who is my neighbor? And he's trying to justify himself because the last part of what he said is you to love your neighbor as yourself. And now he's asking, who is 
my neighbor. And so here again, he's trying to, to test Jesus. And so rather than give the lawyer a quick one phrase answer, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And most of us have heard this story many times. Most of us have heard it since we were little children. Uh, but it, it, it really brings home the point of who is my neighbor. Jesus talks about there was a certain man that went down this dangerous road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among thieves. He was robbed, beaten, and left half dead. And then after he was left wounded and hurt by the wayside, a priest comes by uh, and he walks by on the other side like he didn't even see the man. Then a Levite comes by and he walks by on the other side of the road like he didn't see him as well. And then it says, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. And so Jesus makes this comparison. And then at, after the story, he asked the lawyer, OK, well, who was neighbor to the man? And he says, the one that showed mercy. And so as we hear that story, uh, there's a couple things that jump out at me. The first is uh, the man was on a dangerous road. That road from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho was a road that was uh, uh, about 17 miles long. It was a road where there was a great drop in the altitude from uh, where Jeru in Jerusalem to Jericho. And it was a place where robbers could hide and they could uh, uh, attack different people. They could rob and attack people. And so that was common. And so Jesus mentions this and said, OK, this man is now robbed, beaten and left half dead. And he says, OK, but then a, a priest comes by, somebody that works in the temple, somebody is close to God. You would think if anybody would reach out to help him, this man would. But the Bible says the priest doesn't reach out to help. The priest walks by on the other side. And then he mentions the Levite, who also is a servant in the temple. Not quite at the same level of the priest, but he was a worker in the temple. And the Bible says he also, uh, seeing the man hurt, he crosses the road and walks by on the other side. But then Jesus says, but a certain Samaritan. Now, many of us have heard this story. You realize that at that time, the Jews and the Samaritans had no dealings with each other. They were enemies in a, in a sense. Uh, and they didn't associate with one another. And so this man that was hurt was Jewish. He certainly would have expected help from the priest or the Levite, but certainly not from the Samaritan. But in the story, the scripture says, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And set him on his own animal, brought him to, to an inn, and took care of him. And so the Samaritan, who was the one you would, would have expected to have rejected 
this Jew that was hurt and wounded and left half dead, he does the exact opposite. The Bible says that he came to him, he saw his need, and he had compassion upon him. And that compassion motivated him to minister to him. He reached out to him in every way he could. The Bible says he bandaged his wounds, applied first aid, pouring in oil and wine, what they had at the time. And then he set him on his own animal, set him on his beast and brought him to an inn and left, told the host, take care of him. And when he got up on the next day, he spoke to the host and said, look, take care of him. I'm going to give you two denarii for you to take care of him for the, 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 the next while. But when I come back, if you've had to expend more, I will certainly repay you what you've had to spend. And so uh, he asked the lawyer at this point, which of the three is neighbor to the man that was hurt? And the lawyer realized and said, the one that showed mercy. And Jesus said, right, that's exactly right. Now you go and do likewise. And so uh, we can see from that story uh, that that's the heart of God, that somebody, oftentimes somebody that's hurt or in need in some way, when we have an opportunity to reach out and help, we certainly ought to do it. Uh, the Bridgeport Rescue Mission is here because uh, people saw a need and recognized we need to establish an organization that'll reach out and help those who are in need in certain ways. Uh, as I told you, we have a large feeding program, so Every day, we're reaching out to those that are hungry. Uh, we're reaching out to those that are in need, and we provide food in a number of different ways. And so the rescue mission is in existence because somebody recognized that uh, there's people that have a need. We need to create an organization that will minister to that need. Um, uh, if you turn to Matthew, the 25th chapter, it's a scripture that's often quoted in the Rescue Mission Circles. I believe I'll re read it this morning and then we'll close in prayer. It's a scripture, Jesus again talking in the 25th chapter and beginning at the 31st verse. It says, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he shall set, set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in a hungry and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when, when saw we thee, and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? 
or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Praise God. And then afterward it talks about those that uh, did not respond and did not feed the hungry, did not clothe the naked. And he tells them, depart from me. Ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And so uh, 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 that scripture goes in line with the, the, the thought of the Good Samaritan, that as we have an opportunity to help those that are in need, it's uh, incumbent upon us to do so. And the Bridgeport Rescue Mission is just one of the organizations which is reaching out to those that are hurting, the hungry, the addicted, and... Uh, we certainly trust that we're being used by God to further the kingdom of God and to minister to those that are hurting, that uh, we might do so uh, in the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bow your heads with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness and mercy. We thank you, God, for how gracious you've been to us, your people. We thank you, Father, that you saw our need and uh, sent Jesus to the cross. Before we ever knew we needed a Savior, you gave us a Savior. And we thank you, God, for bringing the truth of what Jesus did at the cross to the eyes of our heart and causing us to see it and understand it and reap the benefit of it, Father. We thank you, Father, that as we've given our heart to you, that we become part of your very own family and you've become our very own Father. And we just thank you, Lord God, that you're and ask you to have your way in our hearts and lives. Help us to be compassionate and tenderhearted toward those in need round about us. Help us to reach out where we can and help us to ever be mindful that we were once the one in need, the one hurting and left half dead. And we went, when we were in need, you sent us the Lord Jesus Christ to meet our need, to reach out to us, to be compassionate towards us. And as we've accepted him, we become part of the family of God. And for this, we give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, let everyone say amen and amen. God bless you.